Amen. Please open your copies of God's Word this evening to the New Testament and the Gospel according to Matthew and chapter 7. Matthew chapter 7. And we will commence our reading at verse 21 and continue our reading into chapter 8 and up to and including verse 13. So Matthew chapter 7, reading from verse uh, 21. Matthew chapter 7 and verse 21. Not everyone that saith unto me, Lord, Lord, shall enter into the kingdom of heaven. But he that doeth the will of my Father which is in heaven. Many will say to me in that day, Lord, Lord, have we not prophesied in thy name? And in thy name have cast out devils, and in thy name done many wonderful works. And then will I profess unto them, I never knew you. Depart from me, ye that work iniquity. Therefore, whosoever heareth these sayings of mine, and doeth them, I will liken him unto a wise man, which built his house upon a rock. And the rain descended, and the floods came, and the winds blew, and beat upon that house, and it fell not, for it was founded upon a rock. And every one that heareth these sayings of mine, and doeth them not, shall be likened unto a foolish man, which built his house upon the sand. And the rain descended, and the floods came, and the winds blew and beat upon that house, and it fell, and great was the fall of it. And it came to pass, when Jesus had ended these sayings, the people were astonished at his doctrine, that is, his teaching. For he taught them as one having authority, and not as the scribes. When he was come down from the mountain, great multitudes followed him. And behold, there came a leper and worshipped him, saying, Lord, if thou wilt, thou canst make me clean. And Jesus put forth his hand and touched him, saying, I will be thou clean. And immediately his leprosy was cleansed. And Jesus saith unto him, See thou tell no man, but go thy way, show thyself to the priest, and offer the gift that Moses commanded for a testimony unto them. And when Jesus was entered into Capernaum, there came unto him a centurion beseeching him, and saying, Lord, my servant lieth at home sick of the palsy, grievously tormented, And Jesus saith unto him, I will come and heal him. The centurion answered and said, Lord, I am not worthy that thou shouldest come under my roof, but speak the word only, and my servant shall be healed. For I am a man under authority, having soldiers under me, and I say to this man, Go, and he goeth, and to another, Come, and he cometh, and to my servant, Do this, and he doeth it. When Jesus heard it, he marveled and said to them that followed, 
Verily I say unto you, I have not found so great faith, no, not in Israel. And I say unto you that many shall come from the east and west and shall sit down with Abraham and Isaac and Jacob in the kingdom of heaven. But the children of the kingdom shall be cast out into outer darkness. There shall be weeping and gnashing of teeth. And Jesus said unto the centurion, Go thy way, and as thou hast believed, so be it done unto thee. And his servant was healed in the self-same hour. Amen. And may it please the Lord to bless the public reading of his word to each and every heart present uh, this evening. It is with the Lord's uh, gracious help that we hope to examine the first four verses of Matthew chapter 8. Matthew chapter 8, verses 1 to 4. We'll read them once again before we call upon the Lord for the help before the preaching. Chapter 8, verses 1 to 4. When he was come down from the mountain, great multitudes followed him. And behold, there came a leper and worshipped him, saying, Lord, if thou wilt, thou canst make me clean. And Jesus put forth his hand and touched him, saying, I will be thou clean. And immediately his leprosy was cleansed. And Jesus saith unto him, See thou tell no man, but go thy way. Show thyself to the priest, and offer the gift that Moses commanded, for a testimony unto them. Amen. Let us briefly pray together as we come to the preaching of God's holy and infallible word. Let us pray. Almighty God, we give thee thanks that we have had thy word read out in our hearing. We thank thee, Lord, that this precious and true and infallible word of God, that we have it with us, that thou hast not only authored it, but thou hast preserved it from all ages and from the wickedness of man and the devil, and that we would have this pure word of God in front of us, and that thou, God, speakest through thy word, and we give thee thanks for thy mercies and for the gospel mercies as we see and understand matters of this glorious gospel being revealed to us in these, these four verses. And may it please thee, O Lord, to grant, as has already been prayed, that, that thirst and hunger for righteousness which is found only in Jesus Christ. Lord, that the burden of sin and guilt may it press down even further this evening upon those that know not Christ. But may they hear the call of the gospel. May they hear the voice of Jesus. And may they be even saved tonight by thy power, by thy work, and to thy glory. And that the backslidden be restored, and the child of God, sustained by thy grace, 
will be fed, be built up in their most holy faith. Therefore give unto me a mere servant, a collection of dust and ashes, and in of myself nothing, for who, who is sufficient for these things? But my sufficiency is of thee, O God, and grant thy spirit and blessing and strength and unction that the word would go forth with power. And we pray thee these things in the name of Jesus Christ and for his everlasting glory. Amen. As we come to examine these four verses, <clears throat> the beginning of Matthew chapter 8, we are maybe struck and, uh, by that selfless compassion that the Lord Jesus Christ shows. And how he shows to all those that humbly come for, to him for the cleansing that they need, for the healing, for the help that only he can give, and that's why they, they come to him. And that was what we see very clearly in this episode with this leper. This man with an incurable and infectious disease of the skin. And not only does it work into the skin, but it, it works further because it, it numbs the nerves. It, it makes the, the, the sufferer insensitive in whichever part of the body that that leprosy has taken hold so that they can accidentally, as it were, uh, put their hand on, on the stove and not even notice that the stove is burning their hand away and they pull away and, and their own hand is half cooked and, and that hand will in due course rot. They did not feel it. They did not have that awareness. And so the smallest scratch can turn into a leprous wound and the wound with its pus, with its sore, was very infectious depending on the type of leprosy that this person would suffer from. And of all the outcasts that we might consider and know of from the New Testament, in, in, in the time of uh, the New Testament Jewish society, surely the leper was the lowest on the social ladder. The worst of the worst, as it were. We, 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 we know from, from the work of Christ, in fact we read it in the we read it in the call to worship this evening of the, the publicans and sinners, of those who were public sinners. So that would include, uh, shall we say, ladies of the night. That would include uh, those who were known to be drunkards and blasphemers. And the publicans, they were the tax collectors. They collected from the people of God for, for the emperor of Rome, and they were despised uh, for, for many reasons. And we've, we've looked at that before now in some more detail. Uh, and they were the lowest of the low. <laughs> they were despised. They were the outcasts from polite, religious, Jewish society. They were. Ah, but a couple of steps lower than they was to be found the leper. The leper, yes, he was, he was banished not only from polite religious society, at least while he was still infectious, he was banished from all society, but he was banished from, from, the, from the most uh, 
mean and most common of all religious society, which means he was even banished from the temple itself, even from the means of grace, because he was a danger to the people of God, as they would consider this infectious disease and, and then the terrible things. Well, we will consider in more uh, detail what that meant as we get into this, into this uh, message. But how then would a leper, having contracted this disease, and as this disease is rotting away at his, at his body, but has rotted away already his connection with society and family and friends, how would they find, how would a leper find cleansing? How would a leper find healing? How would a leper find restoration? for body and soul? Well, the answer is, as the answer is to you this evening, by looking to the mercy of God only to be found in the Lord Jesus Christ. That blessed mercy of God in the gospel and in the person and work of Jesus Christ. So let us, with the Lord's uh, gracious help this evening, uh, consider uh, something of the willingness of Christ to cleanse all that come to him. The willingness of Christ to cleanse all that come uh, to him. And as we open up verse 1, we see firstly the Lord's condescension. The, the, the Lord's condescension. It says, When he was come down from the mountain, great multitudes followed him. And one of the reasons why we read something of chapter 7 was to give us an indication of, of, of the Sermon on the Mount. The Lord has just come down from the Mount where he preached that, that great sermon, a long sermon, a rich sermon, speaking of the, the, the kingdom of God and the blessedness of all that would enter in and speaking of the ways and, and, and the, the ways and the customs and the laws of this, of this blessed kingdom kingdom of the redeemed. Three chapters long, if you read it, chapters 5, 6, and 7 of Matthew. We have the Lord Jesus Christ sitting down before the multitudes on the mount, opening his mouth and preaching. And so that the Lord has finished his, his sermon, his great sermon on the mount, and he was come down from that mount and having preached all that he preached and said all that he said with the rebukes and the encouragement and the gospel call and command that has gone out, what was the impression that was left upon those people? Well, we read it in the last two verses of chapter 7. And it came to pass when Jesus had ended these sayings, the people were astonished at his doctrine, for he taught them as one having authority and not as the scribes. The Lord Jesus Christ spoke with authority that they were not used to. Their preachers, their scribes, their religious leaders did not have the authority that the Lord Jesus Christ had. And how do we understand the authority with which he spoke? He spoke with the authority of the Son of God. He spoke with the authority as the God-man, as being sent by God, by the Father, uh, to earth, so that whosoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life. 
the gospel in himself and in the God-man. So he has that authority. He has been sent uh, by the Father, but he has the authority of love because the driving force, as we looked at just a couple of weeks ago, in the, in, the, in the glory of the gospel of God is love, for God so loved the world. Love, we understand something of love. We may not understand, and we certainly do not understand, the depths of this divine love, this unconditional love. But love we all understand to some degree. We have all received the love of a mother, maybe the love of a father, maybe the love of, of friends, of relations. We've, we've felt love towards people. Maybe we miss love. Love has, has left our lives, but we know what we're missing to some degree. And so the Lord comes and he taught them as one having authority, the authority of love. The love of God revealed in him, in the gospel. But also the authority of the word of God. And that's the big difference between him and the scribes that are mentioned here. They could come and they could, they could open up, uh, uh, they could open up uh, uh, the, the Bible, they could open up the Old Testament, they could open up a, a book about the Old Testament, the Talmud, they could open up and speak about these many matters, and yet there was a difference. And the crucial difference, besides them not being sent by God, them not having the love of God to the people they were preaching to, is the belief and the authority of the Word of God. Yes, they would add to the Word of God. They would add rules to the Word of God. They would add all sorts of commentaries about what the Word of God meant, and they would twist it, and they would allegorize it, but they would not open the Word of God and just preach the Word of God. They did not have the authority of the Word of God, and therefore they did not have the authority of the truth which describes the Lord Jesus Christ, the living Word of God, who is the way and the truth and the life. They miss the truth. They miss the authority of the Word of God, which is the only authority that any preacher can have, be he the God-man Jesus Christ, or be he uh, the scribe, as is mentioned here in the Scriptures. He taught them as having authority of the Word of God and the truth of God. And it is so true. We see the, the false the preachers, the false prophets, the false priests throughout the Old and the New Testament. And what do they do? They twist the Word of God. They edit the Word of God. They add to the Word of God. But the Lord Jesus Christ confesses himself that he only spake the Word that the Father had told him to speak. That is at the very heart of the truth of the Gospel all the counsel of God and nothing of man. So we see there that the Lord comes down. He descends from the mount. But secondly, we consider then, as we see the Lord coming down from that mountain, having preached glorious things, may it not remind us of this very truth of Christ's depth of humiliation, that there is a greater mount that the Lord descended from. And we're not talking about a mountain on earth, but we're thinking of the heavenly Zion. We're thinking of the very place, the highest of the highest places. And when you consider the revelations of heaven and what you see in the, in the scriptures of God and, uh, and of heaven, who is at the highest place in heaven? Whose throne is at the highest place? Who, there is none that are above God. And even those images in the, in the Old Testament where we see in Isaiah or in Ezekiel, 
Or in Daniel, where where something of the glory of God is seen and there are seraphim uh, flying around. They do not come above the height of God, but they are below Him, although they be exalted beings themselves. Because Christ has the highest place. To Him belongs, to Him and to His Father and to the Spirit, the one God, belongs the highest place. And then understand with me from the highest place in all of a creation, if we can even if we can even speak of the heavenly, um, uh, the heavenly abode of God as creation, but from the highest place of all, who is the God Most High, how deep the Lord Jesus Christ was prepared to come, having descended from Mount Zion, having, as it were, put aside or hidden the glories of His divinity and taken on uh, the clothing of humanity with the desire uh, to humble himself. And so deeply, how deep does the Lord humble himself? Does he enter into a perfect and glorious, sinless world as he, as he did when he, when he met with Adam and Eve in their time of innocency? Does he come and, and walk on the earth in, 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 in a, a form that was visible and no doubt uh, they, could, they could see and touch? No. The world of the Lord entered as he condescended from the highest to come to the lowest was a fallen world, a corrupt world and a dark world and a wicked world. And people, we, we dwell in such a world. And we see that without the restraint of gospel influences on a society, how worse that becomes when that society is no longer salted by the salt of the gospel, the truth of the word of God, how, wit, how quickly decay takes its place. The leprosy in society, eating away, wounding itself, ignorant of its own wounding, and getting worse, and is written up to death. But see that Christ was willing to descend from the Mount of Zion. Because thirdly, Christ had a desire to save his people. He had a great desire. So he's come down from the mountain and great multitudes followed him. That is the Lord's desire. That many would follow him. That many would hear him. That many would believe on him. Not just listen to a religious story, but they would believe him and his promises. His promises of salvation, of healing for the soul, of peace with God through him. And understand, therefore, as we are going to open with the Lord's help more of this verse, of these verses, to understand the glorious and loving and gracious desire of Jesus Christ to save all that come unto him. His holy desire to save his people. Oh, and he has come for a people. He has not just come for one or two, although we may look around and see a small flock here and a small flock there. And it's true, there are small flocks. And within those flocks, maybe only uh, a few who, who truly believe. And yet the Lord comes to save a people who will be his bride for eternity. And it is a, a number, a multitude, although we see here multitudes followed him. It's a multitude upon multitude. Many crowds were following him here, but we know that in eternity, great crowds 
a multitude that no man can number. As Revelation and chapter 7 uh, tells us, of the glorious victory of the gospel of Jesus Christ. To save a million here, to save a million there, two here, four there, a thousand here, throughout the world. While we are still in these days of gospel grace. So the Lord's condescension, we see in there in verse 1. Secondly then, as we move to verse 2, see with me the leper's supplication. The leper's supplication. And behold, there came a leper and worshipped him, saying, Lord, if thou wilt, thou canst make me clean. So having understood something of this, at the end of this great sermon, that the Lord is coming down and, and many who heard his teachings and his rebukes and his warnings and his promises desired to follow him more and more. And there is a, a great crowd following Christ, around Christ. But then the Holy Spirit, as he inspires uh, Matthew, he says, and behold. So we have these great crowds and yet the Lord, as it were, wants us to zoom in upon just one of the many thousands. Just one of the many thousands, and who is it? It's a leper. And you can well imagine in some ways that people would be quite unnerved, if not terrified, when they would see a leper in their midst. And, and who is then a leper? We touched upon it in the introduction. A leper is somebody with this terribly, terrible, infectious skin disease that would put you out of society once it had been fully diagnosed. And you had to stay away from home and from loved ones. And you had to stay out of the villages. You weren't allowed in the towns. You certainly weren't allowed in the cities or in the temple. And the Lord himself says, And behold, there came a leper. We see his approach then, that he would dare to come. It is true that when a leper would come near anyone in society, that, that the people who were there were afraid of them, whether they were on a farmstead, or whether they were in a village, or wherever it was, and there was a, a leper coming, and how would they know he was a leper? Well, according to the law of, of Moses in Leviticus, uh, somebody who was, had been confirmed by the priest to be a leper, they had to, they had to wear a, um, a covering over their top lip. And they had to call out, unclean, unclean, when they would see somebody. So people would know that they were unclean. Ritually unclean, yes. Physically unclean. Medically unclean. They were to stay away. There are even places these days in the world where there are small islands where only lepers live. In a leper colony. And, and food has to be rowed out to them. Every single, every few days or whatever, uh, by non-lepers, they would come and they would leave the food uh, on the quayside or, or on the shore side, and then and then row away as quickly as they could, so they would not have any contact with these lepers, none at all. So great is the fear today, still, even with our modern uh, medical science, and so they would know he, that he would look like a leper. His, his clothes would no doubt be, be, be unclean and, and, and damaged. We know that when, when a leper, when his, his sores uh, became, very, uh, became very active, that they would cause the clothing to stick to the body. 
And so the leper was unable to change his clothes and wash his clothes because the skin was so fragile and weak, and I'll leave the rest up to your imagination. And so his clothing and his body and his face and his fingers, as many as he had left, were very clear to everybody when they saw him and they heard that voice. The multitude of Jews listening, unclean, unclean. So we are told, behold, but they would also hear. And what would their reaction be? Well, we know that the reaction, even today, is that if somebody comes with this great infectious disease, and many people would throw stones at him, keep away, keep away. Or even use long, 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 uh, long poles or anything to push them away. They don't want to touch them. They would have nothing to do with them. They, the fear took hold of them, for they would not be like that leper. Anything but leprosy. And it is in this context that the leper boldly approaches Jesus Christ. He puts his life, as it were, in danger, in peril. They could stone him. They could kill him. They could do all sorts of things to him. And yet we see in his approach that he comes boldly. He comes boldly to the Lord Jesus Christ. He's drawn to the Lord for help. And behold, there came a leper and worshipped him. So beside his approach, we see his attitude, his correct attitude. As he approaches the Lord Jesus Christ, he falls down before him on his knees. And you say, where do you find that? Well, that is exactly what this word worship means. It means to fall down literally upon your knees before him. It is the word, it does mean worship, but it shows the attitude of worship to humble himself before Jesus Christ, to come humbling himself. And we can understand this when he comes to the Lord, that there is an attitude of repentance. There's an attitude of of, of humbling of himself before the Lord, knowing the Lord's place and knowing his place. And, And do you know of that in your own lives? Of approaching the Lord in this way, of coming and humbling yourself, of worshipping him, of giving him all the glory and humbling yourself in the, in the meantime, at the same time. For that is uh, the attitude that is needed. We are not, to, as it were, to come to the Lord and look at him eye to eye as if we are equals. We're certainly not to look askance at the Lord and think, well, how can I make use of the Lord for my own benefit, that I would have my best life now, that I would have wealth in the bank account, and merely make use of the Lord Jesus Christ. Or even worse, to walk away from the Lord Jesus Christ with a thousand and one reasons in our back pocket. No, the way of approach... And the attitude that we should have when we approach and have anything to do with the Lord Jesus Christ is to humble ourselves. It's to know our place before God, before the God-man. To humble ourselves and to come repentantly. Come before Him who is the lawgiver, who is the glorious Saviour, and to get onto our knees, to cast ourselves down. Casting ourselves down in repentance, but casting ourselves down in in searching and looking for mercy. That this king would be merciful unto me, a sinner. And that is what he does. He humbles 
himself. Do you know how difficult it is to humble yourself? It is almost impossible to humble yourself. Every man, woman, even children are filled with pride. Filled with pride. Brim with pride. And yet the approach and the attitude that there must be and that we see with this leper this evening is that he came and he fell down upon his knees. And then we see thirdly his ask. This great request that he makes. And what is the request that he makes? We read in verse 2. He says, Lord, you see the attitude is still there. Lord, if thou wilt, thou canst make me clean. And consider with me what those words mean. If thou wilt, thou canst make me clean. He's not presuming to know the will of Jesus Christ. He says, if thou wilt... But he does presume to know the power of Jesus Christ. For he says that the Lord is able to clean him. To clean him from an incurable disease. Lord, if thou wilt, thou canst make me clean. What do we hear then in the words of this hum, um, humbled and penitent and, and, and mercy-seeking leper? We hear words of faith. That he looks upon Christ and he believes Christ. He believes that Christ is able. He's not sure whether the Lord is willing. And maybe that says something about you and your attitude towards the gospel and to salvation. You're very conscious of this truth. Yes, of course the Lord is willing. There is nothing that is impossible for God, but you doubt whether, you know that the Lord is able, but you doubt whether he is willing. But he believes. He comes with faith. And this is all of faith. If thou wilt is not a is not a, a, a questioning, it's not a doubting in and of itself. If thou wilt, Lord, sovereign Lord, over all of creation, and certainly over this, this disease, this leprosy, if thou wilt. Thou canst make me clean. A great thing to be, to be asked of. An amazing thing. And when we, when we read of leprosy in the New Testament, we, we often, and rightly so, uh, spiritualize it to make, uh, help us to understand what it's saying about the soul of man. Your soul, my soul. But how terrible and leprous the soul is because it is diseased with sin. It's diseased with unbelief. It is, it is diseased with darkness. The heart of man is, is not something to be, to be glorified in. It is something to be, to be shocked by. It's something to, be, to bemoan and to repent of. Jeremiah 17 and verse 9 says this, The heart is deceitful above all things and desperately wicked. Who can know it? This is the soul of man, a leprous soul, a corrupt soul and a rotten soul. And so when we see this about the leper, we think, yes, this is the soul of a sinner that needs to come for cleansing to Jesus Christ. And that is very true. That is a good analogy that is made often in the preaching when we come to a leper. But it is more so. It is more so because the leprosy of the leper is not only of the soul, but it is also of the flesh. 
for your flesh and my flesh. Born-again believer with a born-again soul, and yet the old man of the flesh, the old sinful nature, is a leprous nature. It is corrupt and it is wicked. And it deceives. It deceives the, the religionist. It deceives the true believer into thinking that so much of what they do is holy and acceptable to God because their soul has been born again, and hallelujah that it has been, but the flesh is underestimated. The power and the deception of sin in the flesh is almost ignored. And it plays havoc in churches, in families, in testimonies, the power of the sinful nature. That too is leprous. That too is wicked. That too is to be dealt with. And so yet this leper, he points to both the soul and the body of all the sons and daughters of Adam. And then we move on to verse 3, having considered the Lord's condescension, the leper's supplication. But let us see together, thirdly, the Lord's reaction. The Lord's reaction. As it were, everything is hanging in the air. There is maybe suspense as this leper has come, and he's come even amidst all these crowds, and he, he's called upon the Lord, and then the, and then the, the expectation and the suspense is, what will now the Lord do? Well, let's see what the Lord does. We see the first thing in verse 3. And Jesus put forth his hand. He doesn't answer him immediately. He certainly does not reject him. For all that come to Jesus Christ, he will in no wise cast them out. He is not rejected because he is a leper. He's not rejected, as it were. He does not reject the sinner because the sinner is the worst sinner in his street or in his neighborhood or in his family. He's not rejected. Jesus puts forth his hand and not to push him away, but to touch him. Now, for a Jew, an Orthodox Jew, that is the worst thing you can do. To touch him. Now that means that you have now become unclean. You are ritually unclean. You would, you would have to uh, wash your body and wash your clothes and keep away from the, from the temple until evening, until the following day that means. And you could not go uh, and do many things. You were, as it were, temporarily um, excommunicated. You were temporarily not allowed to be part of the people of God. You, you must be washed and cleansed. And that's just the ritual uncleanness of the situation. But what about the medical uncleanness? Is that you would risk getting infected and infect you and then infect other people? How often is it that the Lord laid his hands upon people? I don't need to remind you of the, 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 the hyper-reaction to infection that the society has known in the last uh, two and a half, three years. And yet he reaches out to the unclean, medically unclean, spiritually unclean, uh, ritually unclean man who comes to him and says, Lord, if thou wilt, thou canst make me clean. And the reaction of the Lord Jesus Christ is to reach out and touch him. 
has said nothing else. He said, he said nothing. He's touched him. And then he speaks. And then he answers that prayer. And we can well imagine that the prayer of the leper was filled with fear, was filled with uncertainty, not knowing if the Lord would be pleased to receive him and to heal him, not knowing whether he would be rejected, as he was rejected by all in Israel. But Jesus put forth his hand and he touched him. He touched that dirty clothing. He touched that, ra- uh, that ragged and dirty hair. He touched that leprous arm. Whatever he touched, he touched that man willingly. And how do we know it's willing? Because he says, I will. He was willing to heal this man that had come to him in spite of all the odds, in spite of what other people would say, in spite of the reaction of family and friends who may have been in that multitude. He comes to the Lord Jesus Christ. He calls upon the Lord, and the reaction is the Lord as he lays his hand upon this, this dirty, filthy sinner and says, I will, I will. I will. Lord, if thou wilt, thou canst make me clean. And the answer is, I will. Literally in the Greek, I am desirous. I am willing to do so. There's the answer. Christ is not only able, but he is willing. And therefore, those who do not come to Jesus Christ cannot say to the Lord, as this leper did, Lord, if thou art willing, I know that thou art able, but Lord, if thou art willing, and I'm not sure that thou art willing, therefore, I will keep my distance. That's not what we may take away from these verses. That's not the gospel lesson that we should take home. That is not the application that we should make. The Lord Jesus Christ is able, yes, and also willing. Are you willing? Are you willing to come in spite of the multitudes, in spite of your own fears, and cast yourself down before the Lord Jesus Christ? And see what he does. He puts forth his hand, he touches him, and he says, I will. And what happens then? He says, be thou clean. The command of the Lord Jesus Christ, remember him that spoke with authority, not like the scribes, now speaks with an authority over creation. He says, be thou clean. And immediately his leprosy was cleansed. See the power of the word of God over a sinner's soul. And that's what we see in this gospel. The power of the Word of God over a sinner's soul. The Lord is able and the Lord is willing. Then come to Him and understand this in verse 3, that there is no rejection to to the humble and the penitent sinner. On the contrary, there is acceptance. He touched him, saying, I will be thou clean, and immediately his leprosy was cleansed. May I say something about this touching of the Lord Jesus Christ? Not only is it probably the first time that that man has been touched by a non-leprous human being, maybe for many years, but it also was the means of his healing. If you return with me to the prophet Isaiah, prophet Isaiah in chapter 55, now we'll see something Oh, sorry, 35. 
Isaiah 35. In fact, we will turn to 55 as well. It is a few verses later in, in Matthew 11. You don't need to turn to there. Well, John the Baptist is, is he's in prison and he's wondering, is this Jesus of Nazareth? Is he the promised Messiah? Is he the Christ? And then the Lord Jesus Christ quotes from the prophet Isaiah. Chapter 35. He says this in verse 5, Then the eyes of the blind shall be opened, and the ears of the deaf shall be unstopped. Then shall the lame man leap as an heart, and the tongue of the dumb sing. For in the wilderness shall waters break out, and streams in the desert. And so it continues. No, leprosy itself is not literally mentioned, but it doesn't have to be. Move with me now to the 55th chapter of Isaiah. This is something. I beg your pardon, 53rd. The 53rd chapter of Isaiah. And we understand this as when the Lord Jesus Christ, he touches this leper. We understand this in verse 4. Surely he hath borne our griefs and carried our sorrows. Yet we did esteem him stricken and smitten of God and afflicted, but he was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement of our peace was upon him, and with his stripes we are healed. That the Savior of sin, he who has come to save the souls of men, is the Savior of the soul and the body. And we understand then as we read this, this verse in chapter 8 and he says, and he lays forth his hand and he, and he touches that man and he, and he speaks those words, I will be thou clean. And immediately his leprosy was cleansed that the Lord Jesus Christ took that leprosy upon himself. Not that it became an active disease within him, but in the same way that all our sins were put upon his flesh and he was on the cross, that he would gain the victory over all the forces of corruption, death and darkness and the devil. The understanding then even in this, this physical disease, pointing to how the Lord Jesus Christ uh, takes our moral disease upon himself. He takes it, we can't bear it. We can't handle these diseases of the flesh and these diseases, these diseases of the soul. We cannot. But he can. And he will. And he will. We've seen that glorious reaction of the Lord Jesus Christ. And then in finishing, we see the leper's assignment. The leper's assignment. And Jesus saith unto him, See thou tell no man, but go thy way, show thyself to the priest, and offer the gift that Moses commanded for a testimony unto them. We see that the Lord is at work still in healing and helping this man. Even with very practical measures. He's saying, don't waste your time and start telling everybody now. He's not saying, never say it. He's not saying, don't ever say the good things that the Lord has done for me. He's saying, no, not now. Keep your silence. Don't start talking to these multitudes. But go thy way. Show thyself to the priest. And offer the gift that, is commanded, that Moses commanded for a testimony unto them. So he's, he's told to be silent. But then he said that he is to be a sign. 
He is to go to the priest. He is to fulfill the law of Moses. The lawgiver is commanding him to fulfill the law that he gave to Moses on the mount. A different mount, Mount Sinai. And he's saying, go thy way. What is, what is to be done? Well, we read in Leviticus that, 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 that if there is a leper and he has, been, he has been tested already by the priest, that the priest has put him into quarantine to test the disease, and if the disease stays the same or it worsens, then he's declared unclean and he is cast out of society. But if there is a change, if there's an improvement, if there's any healing to be found in that leper, and of course there are many different sorts of leprosy and skin disease which would fall under this category. Then he is to come to the priest, and the priest again will examine him or her. Then the priest will put that person into quarantine and see what will happen, to see if there's more healing, if there's more improvement, and, and they will test it. And, and, and once again, if there's some improvement, again in quarantine, this is, this is all painstakingly laid out in the law so that the priest can say, if it be the case that there is healing from this terrible disease, that this man can then be declared to the whole of Jewish society as healed and no longer unclean. The same thing happened to a Pharisee, we read. Pharisee Simon is called the leper. And yet he's, in, he's still an active Pharisee. He's, uh, he invites people to his home. Well, that's because the man was a leper. He's been healed of his leprosy. He has gone to the priest and he has been declared officially, religiously, legally as a clean man, as a healed man. And so was allowed to buy houses, was allowed to enter into society, was no longer to be an outcast. Oh, there's much to be said in the gospel application of that. That those who were rejects because of sin and corruption are welcomed into the kingdom of heaven completely. There is a new life and there is a new, a new chance, a new hope, and an eternal life to be found with this Jesus Christ. But he's told to be a sign, to go and have himself shown and have himself checked, that he would then enter his own society, maybe see his, his family again after many years, but he's also told to offer the gift that Moses commanded. There's a sacrifice involved here. And I would suggest to you, whether he understood it or not, that he's told to look to Jesus again. That this sacrifice that is in the Old Testament for the cleansing of leprosy, again, all sacrifices point to the Lord Jesus Christ. And maybe he would understand that he's pointing to the sacrifice that was yet to be made, and he may not understand it at this moment, but in a few years' time he would. A sacrifice was to be made for the cleansing of my body and my soul, and there he is, hanging on that cross, suffering, taken my sin and taken my leprosy, taken all my disease, and by his stripes... We are healed. He offered that gift that Moses commanded for a testimony unto them. There was a statement to be made. And I see something of the great mercy of, of Christ to be shown even to these religious leaders, many of whom, not all, but many of whom publicly denied him and rejected him and treated him as a, as a religious leper. 
would have nothing to do with him. And if they did come into any contact with him, it was only there to undermine him, to abuse him, to speak against him. The little devils that they were. And yet the mercy of Jesus Christ towards them. That he would go and he would say, I was leprous and I came and I fell before him. And I called upon him. I said, if thou wilt, thou canst make me clean. And he reached out and he touched me. You can imagine their shock as he's telling them, unclean. But he reached out and he touched me and he said, I will. And he commanded my body, be thou clean. And I was immediately cleansed. And that was a testimony to them. That maybe some would have a heart that wasn't so hard against Christ. And will consider something that they've never heard of in their life. That leprosy was cleansed in such a way. And that the law of Moses was to be fulfilled. And the testimony that was made might touch their hearts also. And so the question is, as we've considered the willingness of Christ to cleanse all that come to him. Do you need cleansing? We all need cleansing. We all need, even those of us who are the redeemed of the Lord, we need that fresh and daily cleansing of the Lord. But sinner, you need that cleansing. You need that first cleansing. You must come before him. Cast yourself before him. Call upon him knowing that he is not only able, but he is also willing. And that he will reach out. And he will take your diseases of the soul and body, especially of the soul upon himself. Of the body they may remain, but one day they will be completely removed. In the day of the great resurrection when the Lord will come for his people and holy souls will be reunited with a resurrected body. And the people of the Lord, the redeemed of the Lord will rejoice with the Lord forevermore. Would you not be in that number of those that rejoice in the power and the willingness and the ability of God to heal and to save? Or would you remain in your sin and in the kingdom of Satan? There's no middle ground. There's no middle ground. There is gospel ground and there is hell. And you find that language to be too direct and even confronting, so be it. It is life and death. It is black and white. It is Christ or your sin. May God bless his word to you this evening and for your eternal salvation. Let us pray. Oh Lord, we come before thee and Lord, make it clear to each and every one of us, even the redeemed of God, how leprous much of our existence still is. We give thee thanks and praise, O Lord, for the soul that has been regenerated by the power and the working of the Holy Ghost. But Lord, the leprosy of this flesh, the corruptedness of it, the corruptedness of its desires, O Lord, let even the redeemed of the Lord know this and be aware of it and flee to the feet of Jesus for fresh cleansing and fresh healing. But Lord, in the gospel sense, we pray this evening that thy word will be clearly opened up, that thou will open up hearts.
that thou wilt pour out gifts from above, faith and repentance, Lord, that they would call upon the name of the Lord and be saved. Indeed, Lord, it's what this leper did. He called upon the name of the Lord and he was saved. I believe body and soul without any doubt. O Lord, bless thy word. Take us home, thy hand of blessing upon us, that thy word, O Lord, will not be picked away by the devil, but, Lord, that it may remain and grow in our hearts to the glory of Jesus, we pray. Amen.